Matthew chapter 9 this evening. I couldn't remember if it was 19 or 9. Matthew chapter 9. I preached actually a lot. I uh, keep a list of my sermons, make sure I don't repeat myself too often. And uh, unless, unless God is really dealing with me to say something. And so, uh, but Matthew chapter 9 I've actually preached out of quite a bit. But not off of this portion of scripture. I was told I was, when I was living in Arizona, uh, a man was telling me, Gary Riley, he's a blessing to the Cape Cod, uh, to the Cape Cod, to the Prescott congregation. And he's just been a great help to Pastor Greg throughout the years. And he was telling me about when they were building the Golden Gate Bridge. Now, an iconic bridge that connects San Jose with California, uh, with uh, uh, San Francisco. And uh, many would know the know it if you picture it in your mind. You would know it. And as they were building it, they actually showed up in the morning, and they were beginning to work. They were getting close to connecting the two sides. They had come from either side. They were getting close. And they were four inches short. So they called the engineer frantically. They said, we're four inches short. And the engineer said, what's the temperature outside? And they told him the temperature. And he said, you wait about two hours. And what happened is that bridge warmed up and that four inches came together. When they build a bridge, they have to put in a tolerance because the bridges will expand and contract with the weather. This is a part of life that uh, certain things will happen. This is how we end up with potholes here, but that has to do also with water. But certain things will expand and contract. Metal is a big one that will actually do that and have to have some flexibility when the Concord air airplane, the Concord airplane was the only commercial airplane ever in service. There used to be 14 of them. They were taken out of service not that long ago. They, uh, it was, it would do over the speed of sound, Mach 1. And they say that when it was actually doing that, it would be about two and a half feet longer than when it was on the ground doing nothing. It would expand and contract. In the text we're going to read, Jesus tells us that expanding and contracting in life is something you have to deal with. We have to deal with this. Now in the context, and I just want to put it in context, Just before the scripture we're going to read, John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus with the Pharisees and said, why don't your people fast? Why don't your disciples fast? And he says, well, they've got the bridegroom with them. You wouldn't fast on your wedding day. And so as long as I'm here with them celebrating uh, that, uh, they're not going to fast. But when I'm gone, they're going to fast. 
Then he launches into these two parables that I want to look at that are connected. He says in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 9, also you could read this in Mark chapter 2, it's, it's identical. Besides, who would put a patch of old clothing on, uh, with, who would patch old clothing with a new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving even a bigger tear than before. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. For old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins, so both are preserved. Now Jesus first talks about a patch. He's talking about now in in their day, they didn't have Walmart. A lot of people, I I can't even say this, but you know, in my generation, if you ripped your jeans, you didn't wear them. Today, they buy them ripped. I, you know, whatever. But the, but uh, you know, the thought there of ripping uh, clothes. You didn't. There was no Walmart that you just ran down to to get another shirt or something like that. They were often very expensive, and and this is why when you read of certain uh, uh, times in the Bible when uh, people would come with rewards and payment, they would also bring garments of clothes. It was something very treasured, and so many people didn't have multiples of different outfits. So as a result, they would have to patch the clothes they had. So in this understanding, this was something that they could relate to that maybe in our generation, not so much. I mean, unless you uh, have a certain... item of clothing that you really love, you probably aren't going to patch it. And who knows, maybe again, it's not, it's, it's in style. Maybe you want to keep it that way. But he compares putting a new piece of cloth on an old garment. Even today, when you buy Blue jeans, uh, they will come pre-washed or pre-shrunk. That cotton has the ability to shrink. I, I, you know, uh, um, if you've ever gotten a t-shirt or something and then washed it and dried it and realized it, it, you know, it shrunk a little bit. And over time, they continue shrinking and shrinking. Uh, as a result of this, they slow down on this, but they shrink. And in the text, Jesus is saying, why would you put a new piece of cloth on an old garment. Their tear would go away and and it would be worse. So there's three things we have to consider here. One is that Jesus didn't come to just fix people's lives. Jesus didn't come just to make, uh, just patch up some things in your life. He came to change your life. He came to transform people's lives. Some people, when they get become a Christian, all they want to do is fix some areas in their life. They want to make their lives seem like, oh, I can just add this to it. But it doesn't work. You can't just patch up your old life. The other thought here that you could actually see is that uh, there's the thought about immaturity. That the new cloth is not been seasoned. It's not been 
put out there. There's something about seasoned wood. There's something about seasoned uh, cloth that has that ability where the stretching is gone from. And there's some people, they're just immature. And God says, I can't put you in the kingdom because you're immature. You're a 14-year-old in a 41-year-old body. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. 1 Timothy 3, 6, A church leader must not be a new believer, for he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. He's talking here about maturity. He's talking here about you don't just take something new and mix it with the old. That has to be true in our lives. We know that. But it's also true in the kingdom of God. Remember, he's talking to John the Baptist's disciples. He's talking to the Pharisees. And they're thinking, wow, you've just come to reform. He says, no, I haven't come to fix the old religion. I've come to transform it. Some people, they just want the old religion. They like the old, well, oh, just give me the old time. Well, revival is messy. Revival has to deal with the fact that Jesus isn't going to just fix things. He's going to transform things. And if you try to fix, I've seen people, they get saved and they're trying to make their Christianity just patch their lives. They don't want to deal with their covetousness or their bitterness or their whatever. They don't want to deal with that. They just want to patch over. In the Boy Scouts, you can get patches. Right? These Eagle Scouts, they got, you know, patches all over their chest and like they've got this badge and that badge and they, I helped an old lady across the street badge and I did this badge and I can snare a campfire without matches badge and, you know, they get all these badges, all these patches. Some people, that's all they want in Christianity. I got my, I went on an outreach patch. I came to prayer meeting patch. I read a Bible verse today patch. They don't want a new garment. Jesus says, that's not going to work. You're not going to be able to have that. It's got to be something new. Because in life, there's going to be pressures. Family, job, money, time, unexpected things that are going to happen. And they're going to pull at you. And if you're just trying to patch over eventually your Christianity will tear away. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Christian has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. See, if you shrink, if you're just trying to patch, put Christian patches on you, rather than let it be a new garment. Or you think if I just make a little bit of change here or there, I'll be fine. You're missing the point. Because Jesus says the issue is eventually that's going to tear away and it's going to be worse. Peter in Second Peter tells us that when someone becomes a Christian 
and they won't live as a Christian should. The end result of that person is going to be worse than before. That's just a fact. The big tear. This illustration, Adam uh, Albert Barnes says in Barnes Notes, this illustration was a well-known fact showing that there was properties uh, and fit, uh, fitness of things. None of you would say that mending an old garment would uh, you'd throw it, you'd ruin an entire piece of new cloth just to do that. That would be a waste. An old piece uh, on an old piece would work. That would be far better. But here the translation literally means the new or the rude or the undressed or the unfulfilled cloth. It is actually the thought of the state of a contract that you're not going to be able to mix the two. You can't mix them. You can't hold on to your old religious ways and have revival at the same time. Personal revival. Jesus says, you're not going to do this. You want to just patch it over? You're going to miss the point. Then he talks about wineskins. They didn't have glass bottles. They didn't exist in Jesus' day. They didn't have plastic bottles, which, you know, may be the root of all evil if you talk to some people. But the thought there is that in eastern countries, they would make their bottles out of goat skins or sometimes even camel skins. And the older they got, the more brittle they got. The more hard, the more difficult. The only way I could relate this today in modern settings would be our rubber on our cars. Our belts in our engine get hard. They don't function as much. They begin to sometimes slip. And you know you got to change them. Your alternator belt and water pump, or sometimes it's one belt now. Sometimes this could be your tires. Your tires get, uh, they can get old, they can crack, they can, you know, you can buy, and I'd recommend this, if you ever buy new tires, there is a date on the tire. There is a date on that tire. You can find it. It's by law. has to be put there. It's going to tell you the week it was made and the year it was made. And you can buy a new tire that's actually five years old. And it's caused, and they've had tires that were five, six, seven years old, where the rubber has gotten so old, but they're brand new tires. They've never been driven on. But because of that, they'll blow out and they've killed people. And that's what he's saying is that you can become so rigid. Job which Job uses this analogy. He says in Job 32.19, I'm like a cast of wine without vent, like new wineskin ready to burst. So this was a well understood uh, time. Now new wine would get in there and new wine ferments. New wine releases gases as it's fermenting. And so the bottle would be expanding. And in a new wine skin, that would work. But in an old, crusty wine skin, it would break. 
We all know recently about the sub that went down to see the Titanic. And, you know, I've actually contemplated that. That's, that's like radical tourism, right? To go see the, the, the wreck of the Titanic. Like, wow, you'd have to be a millionaire to do that. But we all know how this happened. It imploded. The pressures of the water, something must have happened in the sub, and it, it, the metal or the window or something gave way, and the sub instantly imploded and then blew into pieces, killing all five of them probably instantly. They probably were crushed before they ever drowned. This is stubborn people. This is who Jesus is talking to, the Pharisees. They're stubborn people. Psalms 78, verse 8. And they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Stubborn people are unbending people. He actually calls them in the New King James, stiff-necked. That attitude... And Jesus says, I can't fill you with wine. Wine is always a symbol in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, do not be drunk with wine because that leads to disaster. But be filled with the Spirit. Wine is a symbol of the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, I can't fill you with the Spirit, because on the outside, you're so rigid and stuck in your ways, you cannot handle it. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's even talking to some of John the Baptist's disciples, who would later come to Jesus and say, John sent us, are you the one or do we seek another? God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you overflowing with His Holy Spirit. But two things to understand about that. One is you have to be a vessel that can take it. And second, you have to realize His Spirit is holy. Second Corinthians Chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, For we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we, can, but we ourselves are frail clays, jar containers with this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. But not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. He says, you know what? The pressures that come in life, if you're filled with God, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to become pressures within and pressures without. God's going to deal with things that are in you. He's going to deal with things in your heart. He's going to make sure that he puts his thumb on some areas and says, you've got to change this. 
your bitterness, your covetousness, your lust, your attitude. He says, you've got to change it or you're going to be in big trouble because you'll burst. I've seen people, they burst. It's tragic. The pressures that God begins to deal with them, they can't handle a situation that happens to them in life. So they get all tweaked and bitter and angry and frustrated, blaming everyone else but themselves. And you're watching them explode. Boom. Where's so-and-so after so many years? Oh, they blew up. They're gone. They wouldn't deal with issues of life correctly. A submarine has to hold a pressure just a little bit greater than the water around it. God says, Jesus says, if I put new wine in you, you'll explode. New wine must go in new skins. So what does that mean for us? The Life Application Bible says for this, this is the victory. Jesus used this description to explain that he had not come to patch up the old religious system of Judea with its rules and traditions. His purpose was to bring something new that had been prophesied for centuries. This is true in our lives as well. God wants to flow in your life. God wants to flow and help you. The question is, are you letting him? Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 12, You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so they could find the way. God says, I want to lead you. I want to help you. I actually want and care to bring you to the place where you can handle what I want to do in your life. The need is the ability to flow with God without tearing everything around you or exploding from within. This makes us useful. One thing people want in life is to be useful. They want a purpose in life. If you lose flexibility, you lose out on a lot. It's kind of shocking to believe that here in Rochester, Kodak, Kodak developed the digital camera and then doubled down on film, saying, oh, people won't want that. It's tragic. They've had electric cars for years, but Ford and Chrysler doubled down on gasoline engines. And that's the way it is today. See, God wants to shape you. He wants to mold you. He'll use circumstances to change us, but he'll use his spirit most of all. Paul says that we are changed into his image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. First, second Corinthians chapter three, 17 and 18. God transforms us into his image. He wants to change us. He wants to help us. 
In that sense, he wants to fill you with his power. Second Timothy 1.14, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. What Jesus is dealing here is people are in a wrong spirit. Now think about this. They're religious. They go through the rituals. They could tell you they prayed. They could tell you what they did, how they fasted. Because that's where this conversation all began. And he says, I didn't come to patch things up here on religion or your life. I came to transform things. I want to fill you with my spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony heart, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in within you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God wants to fill us. So imagine this. He's talking to people. He's saying, I didn't come to just patch up things. I came to fill you. But if you're going to be old and crusty and and hard and bitter and tough, you're going to crack under this when I fill you with the new wine, the spirit of God. Gonna crack your your flaws. All it's gonna be a disaster. When I used to teach sailing, one thing you have to teach in sailing is catch the wind. You have to catch the wind. That wind can take you even in directions it's not blowing if you know how to steer the boat right. You don't have to go the direction of the wind. Now, that was always the easiest way. You just let out the sail and fly. But if you don't catch the wind right, you can get the sail, it can get caught, and there's a term for it, and I won't bother you with all the nautical terms, but there's a term where the sail is just flapping in the wind. It's not catching the wind. It's not harnessing the power. And the boat goes nowhere. Another illustration of the Holy Spirit is the wind. They, on the day of Pentecost, they heard a mighty rushing wind and it filled the temple. But the question is, are you catching or being filled with the wind that God is taking you somewhere? Or is your sail just flapping? Are you caught going nowhere? The power's the same. It's how you harness it. It's how you take it into your life. It's how it transforms you. John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees are right there with Jesus. And they're not getting it. They're missing it. They want to patch up a few things. They want to make it try to look Take the old and just make it look... He says, it's, that's a waste of time. I want to fill you with something new. My spirit. My spirit. Revival is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Where does it begin? Right here. That's where it begins. 
So the question is, do you have revival? Because if you have revival, then you will be ready for it. That when the, when it expands you, makes you feel a little uncomfortable, you're going to be going, this is good. This is good. Because I know what God is doing. I've tapped into it. You're going to know that this is good. And that's the blessing that we can experience. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not right with God. You're not flowing and functioning in the Spirit of God because of sin in your life. Habits, maybe you don't want anyone else to know about. But the great news is Jesus Christ came, shed His blood on Calvary's cross so that you can be different. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. He wants to fill you with all the goodness of His grace and His mercy, His love. He doesn't want to just patch up your life and fix this little area and fix that. He wants to transform you. Not just patches. A transformation. Not just so you can have some badges and say, well, I did this today for the Lord, or I did that today. He wants to do a miracle in your heart and fill you with His presence. If that's you tonight, you're not right with God or you're backslidden, you want prayer, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. Thank God. Someone else, very quickly, you want to respond. Say, I'm not right with God. I need to get my heart right. Anyone at all. Changing the call then to Christians. We can have this. That's the glorious thing. Is He's talking to His disciples too and He's telling them, you know what? That's not what I came to do. I didn't come to just patch up things. I came to transform things. I came to fill people with the Spirit. But you're the one who has to make sure you're flexible. You're... I'm a big mink oil fan. I put mink oil on leather and I see it come back to life. I love mink oil. Mink oil can do wonders to help leather goods come back. There's certain things you can do to make the old flexible again. But sometimes you just need to cry, Oh God, my heart has gotten full of all sorts of garbage. I need to get a new heart again. Help me so that I can hold your spirit in all that you want to do. Let's all stand. We're going to sing this song, worship his name, give him praise.
glorified. Give him praise and worship him. Father, we love you.